Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and today I'm joined by a man who is very glad that he went to college so that his day job doesn't have to be bailing hay, Ben O'Brien. How are you doing? Trevor, I'm fantastic. And yeah, I like that intro. That's a good intro. Um, I was telling Trevor before we started recording that I bailed some hay today, and I'm, I'm not. None of the three of us, if Brandon was here. None of us I would consider uh, to be like blue collar guys. I feel like we're, like like we don't. I mean, I could be wrong, Trevor, but I don't think that we spend a lot of our free time on out out on the farm or anything like that. So um, today I had the opportunity to do that, and like I can tell you that I'm just not made for that because I got rash rashes all over my body. I got really sunburnt. Like I'm just not designed to be in that kind of environment, and I'm, I'm never am. Like I'm never I'm never out doing like farm work like that. Um, so it was kind of cool to do it once, but I can tell you that, like, if I had to do it every day, uh, I would, it'd be a disaster. Now, I'd be like, you know, I'd be football strong, because that's how you get football strong right there, Trevor. I was telling you, not not going to the gym and lifting weights on machines. You bail, hey, Trevor, that's how you get football strong. That's how you become a all, an all-pro offensive lineman in the NFL right there. Well, then what? why am I working so hard to, like, increase my squat and bench, Ben? What, I've been wasting my time you live in, all these Because you live in the middle of, of Chicago. Go go live out in the middle of, of Iowa, bale <laughs> some hay, and you might be able to make the NFL someday, Trevor. Right? I do, really do believe that. Because um, think I about it. All, all, the, the all, the best, <laughs> all the best linemen in the NFL, <laughs> I feel like a lot of them come from, like, they'll come from, like, Iowa. Well, the University of Iowa. They'll come from, like, Wisconsin. They'll come from, like, these places that are, like, out in the middle of nowhere. Because again, that's how you get football strong, Trevor. All right, okay. you want to get football strong. You want to be able to push a three hundred pound defensive lineman around, bailing hay and, and working out on the farm all day. That's how. That's how you're going to do it. Not lifting weights in in a, in a gym in the middle of Chicago, Trevor. No offense. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I'll definitely make sure to. Uh, you know, that'll be noted if I ever have another life, like in my in my uh, next life, if I have one. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll remember that somehow. Maybe it'll just well. It also like, helps if you're like six four, which 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 we we don't yeah. we don't have that either. But yeah, I need um, about just, I need just about thought. four or just five thought. more inches. You know, uh, you know, about another sixty pounds, and then I need to get stronger. I don't eat. You know, more the thing is, Trevor, muscle milk. I actually like being short. I like being short because what it does is it allows me to basically uh, say the line, which I probably say like once a week, which is if I was like six four, I'd be in the NBA right now. Um, and there's nobody that can prove me wrong because I, I, I can't like you can't have me be six four and, and show how bad I really would be at basketball. So being short actually isn't that bad. And Brandon does the same strategy where we can just basically make excuses that say if we were taller we'd be more athletic than we are. And you can't tell us we're wrong because there's no proof either way. Absolutely, hundred percent. So, so I, I actually am not mad about that. No disagreement here. But uh, today we're gonna have an awesome podcast. Still without Brandon, he will be back. Uh, next week, uh, we can, uh, maybe, maybe we can wait. I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Ben? Can we wait or can, I don't know, for Brandon? No, we can absolutely wait. Honestly, if he never came back again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that upset. I think we're doing just fine without him, Trevor. I, I'm not a numbers guy, but I would assume that our ratings are, are, we're we're probably like, I don't know. We probably maximized our ratings by like what, 4,000% last week with him not here. That's just, I just, I just assume that that's the case. Well, you know, with Brandon, could be wrong. well, you know, with Brandon, we we've been trying to convince him to watch watch all the Fast and the Furious movies. So I'm pretty sure that's what he's doing right now. He's watching all of the Fast and the Furious movies so that we can do I don't know. I, I guess we can do a randomly ranked of like the best Fast and the Furious movies or something. I think that's why I, he's gone. I doubt it. I will say, and this will be a little test to see if Brandon's actually going to listen to this episode. Just between you and me, Trevor, I've thought about watching the mission impossible movies because there's a couple of them on netflix and i like tom cruise i mean top gun maverick was great so i thought about watching the mission impossible 
franchise, Trevor, and I know Brandon loves those movies. So if Brandon mentions something to us, I'm not going to say anything to him, but if he mentions something to us about me watching them, then I'll know he listened to this episode. Um, That's a good but fact. I have thought about watching. I have thought about watching those, and I thought about making a deal where I'll watch those eight movies or whatever if he watches Fast and Furious. But I know he's never going to watch Fast and Furious, and I do want to watch the Mission Impossible, yeah. so that'd be a bad deal for me. Um, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. So if Brandon's listening, Brandon, send us a text right now and tell me to watch them. But I, I, I do think unless he's like really bored, he's probably not going to listen to this because he's a fake fan, and we all know that. That's not a big deal. It's whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we have a fun podcast for today. It's going to be very basketball, very very NBA-centric because, well, we just came off of finals and we have the draft on Thursday this week. Uh, so let's just get started with the finals. I mean, we, you know, we were hoping for a Game 7. That's why we're recording this on Monday <laughs> instead of Sunday. Like, yeah, that well, that was one of the reasons, you know. It was one of the reasons we thought, okay, we record Monday, we'll get to talk about Game 7. Well, there was no Game 7 because the Warriors ended it. They won it in 6. Uh Game six, the Warriors took it home, 103 to 90, and they are NBA champions. The Warriors, the fourth championship uh, in eight seasons, uh, six finals appearances. Pretty impressive. Um, first, I want to talk about games five and six because we haven't gotten an opportunity to talk about them. Um, obviously, when we last talked, the series was tied 2 2. Um, you know, in, in game five, we came off of the huge game from Steph Curry. In Game 4, we had 43 points. I think it was like 10 rebounds, something like that. He was awesome. It was, in my opinion, the best game he's probably played in his career, at least given the stakes. You know, like maybe he's had a better, a better regular season game, like statistically and, you know, whatever. But, like, given the stakes, it's the finals, Game 4, very pivotal game there. Um, I think that was probably, like, I think we'll probably think back on that and, like, that's Steph Curry's best game of his career, which is huge. It's huge for the, the Warriors in this series because the Celtics – very easily could have went up 3-1 in this series. I think that's probably going to get lost. I don't think people probably won't be talking about that years from now. Oh, like Boston could have went up 3-1, but they really could have. They could have went up 3-1, and at that point, you know, we've seen teams come back from 3-1, certainly. The the Cleveland Cavaliers are one of those teams we've seen come back from a 3-1 deficit. The Warriors maybe could have done that, but they didn't have to because Steph Curry stepped up, had a big performance in Game 4, and Golden State won. Then we go into Game 5. The Warriors win at 104-94. And in this game, um, uh, you know, I think Steph Curry and Warriors fans got exactly what they were looking for, which was uh, a lot more help from other guys. I mean, Andrew Wiggins played the game of his life. I was so excited to watch Andrew Wiggins, um, you know, succeed in this way. 26 points, 13 rebounds, um, shoots 52% from the field. Didn't make a three, but, uh, you know, it didn't really matter because he had so many... Uh, impactful plays both on offense and defense guarding Jason Tatum as he has throughout like the whole series Wiggins has really been incredible uh, you know I mean throughout the playoffs he's been really good but especially in this series a huge series for Andrew Wiggins and I love to see it because this is a guy who and I think it was the 2014 draft he came in he's the number one pick and on magazines on websites it's like this guy is the next LeBron James he's the next Kevin Durant and he had so much hype, so many high expectations, and obviously he has. He goes to Minnesota after he gets traded from Cleveland for Kevin Love, and he doesn't live up to him. You know, some people are criticizing Andrew Wiggins at times, saying, you know, he's out there on the court at times, and you don't even know it. It's like he's invisible. Um, you know, he's not really working as hard as maybe he should, and he kind of turned around. He found the right fit here in Golden State. And, um, you know, he was a, the biggest part of that Game 5 win. Now, they also got a good performance from Clay Thompson, 21 points. Um, they got 
you know, Gary Payton at 15, he had a big performance in that one, obviously coming off of that, that injury. And Jordan Poole added in 14 points as well. So well-rounded team performance for uh, the Warriors in that game five. And then game six, they kind of continued it. It seems like at some point in the series, uh, probably that maybe the end of game four, early game five, the Warriors figured something out, and they kind of started to roll a little bit. And then game uh, six, yes, the Celtics had that great start. But after that, I mean, Clay Thompson started hitting shots. Jordan Poole, I think, hit like three or four shots in a row. He looked like a Steph Curry clone out there. And then they built the 15-point lead. And at that point, Ben, I mean, when the Warriors build a 15-point lead on you, I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to come back from, right? Yeah, and I mean, that's what you saw in Game 6, like you said, where the Warriors get out to like the, you know, they get this 10-point lead, and any time the Celtics would even just maybe have a, like, a sense of we can get back in this, they go on a 4-0 run or a 5-0 run to maybe the Celtics might cut it to 7, the Warriors will come back and hit a 3, right? Or they'll come back and hit, Steph Curry will hit a 3 and a foul, right? And one 4-point play, something like that. So the Warriors, like... That's their thing, right? You you get they get up on you, and it's so hard to catch them because one, they're putting up a bunch of shots and they're making a lot of them, um, and two, like in game six, they played good defense, so it's mm-hmm. already it was it was already hard to catch up to them because very few teams, if any, are going to shoot like the Warriors do, um, and then not to mention that that putting or getting shots off on that defense was was tough in game six. So I don't know it's tough. And going back to game five, like you said, I think that was. That, in my opinion, that is where the Celtics lost the series because Steph Curry didn't play that great in Game Five. Obviously, other players did, like you said, Clay Thompson had a, had a, had a pivotal performance there as well um, as other role players. But if that was the game to steal on the road in this this this, this second half of this series, Games Five, Six, and Seven, like like that's the one you got to do, right? Um, so that was an unfortunate. I guess game and ending to that to that game five for the Celtics, and then what it did is it kind of did what a lot of people were afraid of, was it kind of seemed like it maybe carried over into game six. Yes, they got out to that that hot start, but after that, like you said, the Warriors get up big. It's impossible to catch them after that. And the Celtics, you kind of just it was almost like slow motion. It was like kind of like a car crash where it's like I can't, you know, it's going to happen, and you can't look away. Where it was like it just it slowly like it started turning into panic and frustration, and the fans were getting antsy as the game went on, and the Warriors were continuing this lead and. This, the you know like I said the Celtics would chip into it and then all of a sudden it'd be gone like that um, and that's ultimately you know the series in a nutshell where the Celtics just were not good enough where they needed to be and they had opportunities to win time and time again this series but the Warriors I think were just the better team um, and the better team won this series in my opinion and obviously they had the best player on the court pretty much every game in Steph Curry yeah and and the better team because they were they were the smarter team they were the more Absolutely. you know experienced team as far as like finals you know, experience. And that I think when you look at like the way both teams run offense, that was kind of the difference. And um with that, like the way the Warriors they have their half court offense, they don't necessarily always rely on pick and rolls like most of their NBA teams do. They have more of a free flowing offense. They have a lot of different guys. I mean not only Steph, you have Steph, you have Draymond Green who can create offense. Wiggins can create offense. Clay on occasion, um and certainly Jordan Poole can create offense as well. So they have a lot of different guys who can create offense for others. Obviously, you have Steph Curry, the best shooter ever. And then the Celtics, you know, it's more dribbling. It's more clunky. And you can see that. And then, like, the stat that is going to be talked about is, I mean, it's being talked about everywhere. Is like, 
the how many turnovers the Celtics have when they win versus they lose. Like I think the stat is like if they have 15 or less turnovers or something, their records like like they rarely ever lose, and then they have, if they have 16 or more, they almost always lose. Um, and then uh, game six. I believe they had 22 turnovers. Yeah, 22. So they had 22 turnovers in game six. In game five, they had 18 turnovers. Uh, I think 97 for the series. So that's a big correlation with the Celtics. You know, they haven't took care of the ball. I mean, really all season, I guess, this has kind of been a problem. I guess maybe it got a little bit better early in the playoffs, but it's something that has continued to rear its head for Boston. And that's, I mean, you have to say something about the Warriors' defense, their ability to just the way they play, and, and Draymond's kind of the anchor of that. And as bad as Draymond was in those first few games, especially I think game three, um, game six, he was really good, setting the tone on defense. Um, I counted a few times where you would have either Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. I think mainly Jason Tatum. He would kind of be on like the, you know, he's on like the arc of the three-point line, and he's driving in on his defender, and Draymond comes in as a help defender. And, and then Tatum kind of, like, uh, he tries to, like, pass it out and, like, Draymond deflects it or he just straight up grabs it out of the air. Like, there were quite a few possessions like that, I think, in Game 6 uh, where Draymond was able to come in as a help defender and, and get turnovers, which was really uh, awesome to see. And obviously, you know, with the Tatum portion, we're going to look at it, and I think a lot of people are going to be look at Tatum's box score in this Game 7 and be like, Man, uh, where where's the like? He didn't really show up. Where's the fight? Like thirteen points, uh, five turnovers. He did have seven assists, but overall, I mean, he shoots six of eighteen. It's just kind of like where where are you, Jason? Tim? You're supposed to be the best player. Some people think you might be a top five, top six player in the NBA. After this game, I, I don't think we can say that. I think it's too early. Uh, I think he's a little too inconsistent for that. So that's gonna be interesting to see going forward. But for the Warriors, I mean, it's an incredible win to get their fourth and now I, I think this is a good transition into like this dynasty talk Ben because a lot of people mm -hmm. are talking about like the dynasty and comparing it to others uh I mean we have one we have one Bill Simmons a big Celtics fan who doesn't think it's a dynasty um <laughs> um which I think is kind of silly I mean ultimately like at least he's consistent his his guidelines are very strict but I I don't agree I think it's uh too strict um, I, I think it's absolutely a dynasty, and I think it was already a dynasty after they won their third because it was three yeah. and it was three out of four, right? Like they won in fifteen, mm -hmm. yep. and then they won in seventeen, eighteen. So I think it already was a dynasty, and I think Draymond Green was kind of like saying that I don't know in an interview or something. He was like, I think he said something along the lines of like this reignited the dynasty, which I agree with. You know, like it's another one, and next year, like if they bring everyone back, I mean, I don't see why they couldn't be you know, right back here next year. Like, it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know how – if you do not think that this is a dynasty in the NBA, in, in the, uh, NBA, then I don't know what a dynasty is. I mean, think about it. They went to, what, five in a row, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Right? They went to five in a row. They really yeah. probably should have won all five. 2016, they, they, I mean, they blew a three-one lead. Yes, that, that sucks, and it's hilarious. But, I mean, they should have won. They were the better team. They didn't have the best player, but they were the better team. Uh, in 2019, if Katie doesn't get hurt and Clay doesn't get hurt, who knows? Okay, they won. so they, won. they went to five in a row. They really, not should, but they easily could have won all five of those. Um, and then yes, you have two years in between where they're not relevant, but that's also because their two best players are going back and forth with with injuries, right? 
Clay can't stay healthy and, and Steph can't stay healthy healthy for two years. Now all of a sudden, this year you get you know the core of their team back and healthy and, and at full strength, and look what happens. They win championship kind of hand, handily. I mean, they didn't have a whole lot of issues these playoff. Um, so, I mean, I think this is the definition of, a, of an NBA dynasty. They've had long-lasting long success. They are relevant every year, again, except for the years when their best players are hurt. Um, I don't know how you can't consider this in, in, in NBA dynasty. It's impressive. I mean, we've said this before on this podcast. In, in today's world of sports, it's it's hard to be successful for a long time because the structure of it is that you benefit or you you uh, benefit teams that aren't as good the year before to help them become relevant. So, long-lasting success in any sport, I think, is extremely relevant. Um, and the fact that the Warriors were able to do that again this year with you know the core of their of their franchise for the last however many years playing as well as they did. I guess Draymond didn't play great, but Draymond's smart. And he knows when the game, you know, the game that actually matters, the, the closeout games, he always plays well in because he knows that's the last game. So that's the game that people are going to remember. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely the definition of an NBA dynasty and really any sport. I think they, they are the poster child for, for a dynasty, um, at least in today's world, because we haven't seen really anything like this in the NBA in the last 30 years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's obviously very impressive. I definitely think, I mean, I already said it's a dynasty for sure. Um, and I mean, there's there have been, so like, obviously, like Jordan's Bulls, the six titles, obviously, that's no-brainer. Obviously, that's a dynasty. Yeah. You have like the Celtics back in the 60s. Certainly, they won 11 titles in, what, 13 years around. Obviously, that's yeah. one. But there were also uh, like know. eight teams, so it's whatever. Yeah, there were eight teams, so it's you know a little you know I guess denigrates, but nevertheless, it's definitely one. Uh, you got like sure. Showtime Lakers with Magic. I and then like Shaq and Kobe Lakers. I think that's a dynasty. I mean, you win a you win a three peat, and then they three went in to, a row. I think yeah, it's gotta be. They went to the finals the next year too. So yeah, undoubtedly, uh, the Spurs. I think the Spurs are as well. They did win. So it, I don't know if you count the last one because the last one it was a seven year period, right? So they won yeah. they won four in uh it would have been nine years. So they won four in nine years from sure. ninety nine to oh seven, and then the fifth one was in fourteen. So I don't know. Regardless, whether you're counting the last one or not, it's either way it's a dynasty to me. Um, and then I don't know, maybe I'm missing a, a couple other ones. Maybe Birds, Celtics. I don't know. They won three. I don't know in how many years necessarily, but I think those are. You know, a lot of the those are mainly the dynasties in the NBA, and then we could get into other sports as well. But um, yeah, I, I just think I don't I don't think we should be too strict. Like this is clearly the best team of the last I don't know, twelve, thirteen years. Like the Warriors are the they're the model franchise of the NBA. I mean that's that's pretty evident now. Now that they've done it without Kevin Durant again, which is so impressive. I mean, and like you said, that maybe they could have had five straight. I don't know. I mean. I think it was right that regardless of whether the Cavs got 15 or 16, they got one of those. I think it's like maybe you could flip them. I always think like I always think that the Cavs, if healthy, would have won in 15, and then maybe the Warriors win in six. I mean, if Draymond was playing, they probably win 16, right? So if you just flip them, maybe mm -hmm. that makes more sense. And then 19, I mean, they were better than the Raptors. It, Kevin Durant was hurt though, so you know it is what it is. I think it's a really interesting I mean just conversation. to put it yeah, and just to put it in perspective, like this is the way I look at it how impressive that their their run has been is they've essentially been the best team in the NBA every single year when healthy mm -hmm. since LeBron was on, since LeBron left the Heat. Like, LeBron left right. the Heat in 14, he goes to the Cavs in 15, and they've pretty much been the best team in the NBA every single year since then. Which, I mean, when I look mm -hmm. at that, like, I think of LeBron on the Heat, that seems like forever ago, yeah. right? 
like I mean I was I was like 14 right so or 15 years old so the fact that they've been that good for that long I I it's gotta be I mean I don't know how you can't call that a dynasty they, like you said they've won four titles in that in that time frame um it's impressive and again I, I can't express enough I was not rooting for them I did not want them to win but they did and <laughs> it, it's impossible to say anything bad about them it's it's very impressive yeah for sure so I mean. I, so I think the Warriors certainly, like, next year they'll be in the mix at the very least. Like, they already have a super high payroll. Um, and I think, you know, and there's been a lot of conversation about that too. Like, I think Brian Windhorse, I don't know if he's, did you see this, Ben, where Brian Windhorse was saying, like, this is like a, I think he said it's like a uh, paycheck win, or not a paycheck, but he said it's like a, no, like, I they mean... win because they, they spend all the money, which I don't know if that's supposed to be a knock or what. But for me, um, like, I... To me, that's commendable when owners are willing to spend more money to get the stars. Like, you know, Bob Myers and all those guys, like, to spend the money, like, you should be willing. For the owners that aren't willing to spend the money to get stars, to not, you know, not willing to go in the luxury tax, like, that's where the issue is. You know, some of these other teams, I don't know who they are necessarily, but, you know, maybe maybe the Phoenix Suns are one of them. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Sacramento Kings, I don't know. but the Warriors are certainly one of the teams that are willing to. They have good ownership. They have a good organization and a really good uh, team in general. So yeah, that's that's cool. Um, I wanted to get in the Steph part here quickly as well because obviously there's a lot of is Steph top 10 all time? Is Steph better than Kobe? Is Steph better than Kevin Durant? Is Steph better than Magic Johnson? Like a lot of that kind of stuff. Um. You know, we, we did our, like, rankings a little over two years ago. I think I had Steph 24th. I think Brandon had him 25th. Uh, we did top 25. Since then, I mean, for me, this is Steph's best finals ever. Like, he averaged 31, 6, and 5. I've never seen him play this well. Uh, you know, offensively, even defensively, like, getting steals, making an impact. I mean, he's part of uh, that the well-oiled machine that the Warriors' defense is. He's part of that. He's getting steals. And then kind of the gravity he has uh, affecting his teammates. Obviously, his leadership now is well-established. Um, it's more of like a – it's not like a direct like he's – like Draymond's more of the vocal guy, but it's clear that like the effect Steph has by leading by example kind of rubs off on his teammates and uh, you know definitely influences them in a lot of positive ways. So I think it's, it's an incredible series for him. It's a really great year. Um, I, I definitely have him in my top 20 for sure. It's just a matter of where in that top 20. I think it's somewhere between like 13 through, I don't know, 13 through 17, 13 through 16, something like that. Because my top 12, I think is, I think it's like a different tier and it's harder to break into. It's Steph could break into it. Again, like if, if they come back next year and they repeat, Steph gets another finals MVP, he puts up 35 and five again. Like at that point, maybe then I need to consider putting him ahead of uh, Kevin Durant or Kobe or, you know, some of these guys. But right now, I, I can't do that. I just think that a guy like Kobe, I mean, five championships, he was the, the best player on the 09 and 0, in the 2010 team. I don't think that supporting cast was as good as the one that Steph has. I mean, Pau Gasol was really great. But outside of that, I think what Kobe did on both ends, the defense in particular, Kobe's one of the best defenders this game has ever seen. I, I can't, I not yet, I can't put him ahead of Kobe yet. And then like Durant, I mean, Durant was the better player on the all of their teams when they played together. Yeah. And if I just go through year by year and I'm just like looking at any single year, like 20 from their, when their career started, cause they pretty much, their careers pretty much started at the same time. I think Steph might've came in a year later, but if you go like 
2009, 2010, all the way up until 2022, how many of those years would I rather have taken Kevin Durant over Steph? Like, it's almost every single year outside of maybe, like, 2016 and arguably this year because of, I mean, because you could just say on the surface, well, Kevin uh, Steph was better against the Celtics than Kevin Durant was, you know? I mean, Kevin Durant only averaged, like, I think 26, 6, and 5. Steph had 31 points. He was a better player. He shot 44% from, from 3. Um, so, I don't know, maybe two years at most, but and Kevin Durant's also a better defender than Steph, even though you can look mm-hmm. at it and you could say, well, Steph has now led two teams without Kevin Durant to championships. Kevin Durant doesn't have a championship without Steph. So I think it's now an argument. Before, I was I was pretty annoyed at the arguments that used to go on about this two, three years ago. But I think it's now a lot more of an argument. I don't know. What do you think, Ben? Well, so I have a question for you, Trevor. Let me ask you this. Do you think that Steph Curry can ever crack the top 10 NBA players of all time without winning another championship. Let's say he doesn't win another NBA championship. He finishes with four championships, one finals MVP. Do you think he can still somehow become a top 10 player in your opinion? I mean, I think it's possible. Or does he need that fifth championship? uh, Not necessarily. I mean, he's 34 now. So if he, again, like longevity, I think longevity is really important. So if Steph plays till he's like 40, 41 somehow, and his game seems, I think his game's probably going to age really well. So if he can continue to be, yeah. you know, top five, top 10 player in the NBA for five, six more years and just like puts this really long career together. Um, and then even if they don't win the championship, but maybe they get close, maybe they get back to the finals, but they lose, but maybe Curry's really good. But then again, and that's what almost happened this series. Like Curry was really good. Draymond Green almost dropped the ball. Like we almost had a situation where. Uh, the Celtics could have won the series. Steph would have been really good. And that's where the narrative thing is really weird because I think even if the Warriors lose this series, I'm still I'm still saying Steph's like top 18 or something, you know? Like I think, I mean, the game four performance was big. He led them to the win, but it's like not a huge difference here. So yeah, I mean, I think it's totally possible that Steph could get to the top 10 even without a, without another championship. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you. I I, I do. I think even if he doesn't win another championship, I think when Steph when Steph's career is over, we're gonna look back and we're gonna go, he's the greatest shooter of all time, and it's not even close. I mean, it's not. I mean, if his career stopped right now, it, I still don't think it's that close. I think he's by far the greatest shooter I've ever seen. So let's say he just puts up average numbers for him for the next couple of years. I think he absolutely has a chance to be considered a top ten NBA player of all time when, when he's done, even without a fifth championship. Um, and like you said, yes, I. Four championships is it's impressive, but yes, two of them you could say because of KD, but it's not like Steph was was a scrub. I mean, he was a very important part of those teams, even with KD. Mm-hmm. Um, so I absolutely think that Steph Curry. I, I said it a couple weeks ago. I think when it's all said and done, I think he's got a very good chance of being considered a top ten NBA player of all time. Um, obviously, another championship I think would make that conversation a lot easier. But I do think it's an interesting conversation to have now that he's got his fourth. For sure, yeah. I mean, it was it was a fun series. Um, you know, we will see what happens uh, next year. But again, like, I think this Warriors team is set up really well. Uh, Wiggins had a really good season, and Wiggins is still only 26 years old. So if he continues to play like yeah. this, you know, that'll be a really good uh, – I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, like, if Draymond – like, it seems like maybe Draymond's starting to go downhill. I don't know. It kind of seems like that, but we'll see. Clay's, Clay didn't fully become himself. He had a couple good games um but you know and jordan uh, obviously they have jordan Poole. jordan Poole's 22 years old he's going to continue to get better so this warriors team 
it's so impressive. I mean, what this organization has done, it's just, it's really incredible. The fact that they have this core that they had in 2015, and now they have, like, these young guys as well that they, like, stole in the draft. Like, you draft Jordan Poole, like, 28. It's, I don't know, it's, it's pretty incredible. But, uh, yeah, that, so that's kind of it, I guess, on the final stuff. Um, I guess now we can get into the U.S. Open, um, which just finished yesterday, Sunday. Uh, we're recording this on Friday. Uh, the winner, Matt Fitzpatrick, um, in a very close, very close uh, Sunday. Uh, I mean, you had him, Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris tied at five under, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, at, in fourth, and then it tied in fifth. Colin Morikawa, my guy, and Roy and Rory was uh, also at two under. So Ben, uh, what were you, what were some of your thoughts from the U.S. Open? I mean, seemed like a pretty pretty good tournament. It it was, and and I think I mean I just saw an article on ESPN like an hour ago where they were talking about how this has been the craziest two weeks in like the history of professional golf. Um, and I think with with this whole conversation we talked about last week with the Live Tour and all and all these things. It, it was just nice and it was refreshing because this is exactly what the PGA Tour needed. I mean, you got they got all this pressure and all this heat from this lit from this you know this competitor, this live tour, possibly taking. They've already taken some players. They have their eyes on more. And the fact that we had just this really solid four day tournament with big names that the on the leaderboard on the last day is exactly what what the PGA Tour needed. And I think it kind of reassured them that their product that they have, regardless of what some competitor that's shelling out a bunch of money is doing. The PGA Tour has a great product, and as long as they can they can do what they did this weekend on a consistent basis within the four majors every year, I think they're they're going to be totally fine regardless of what the Live Tour does. Um, because again, it was very competitive. I think it was a good mix of obviously you have recognizable names. If you're going to have a leaderboard of ten people that no one's ever heard of, it's going to hurt because people want to watch the Tiger Woods, the Rory McIlroy's, the Dustin Johnson. They want to watch big names be in contention um but it's also you had a mix of people that big names but they're on the younger side it's the people that are trying to break through into that kind of like superstar level um so i I think exactly what the pga tour needed to try to stay relevant and i'm not saying they're not relevant but to try to keep up with all the attention that the live tour has been getting the last couple weeks um obviously you have you have englishman the guy from england matt fitzpatrick that's going to take home um the victory at six under and i think I love major tournaments, Trevor, because you go to like you see some of these these non major tournaments, and you know guys will win and they'll shoot like twenty under par. They'll they'll just absolutely murder the course. The course will be no issue for them. Majors, the PGA Tour always does a great job of making sure that the conditions are scorable. It's not frustrating to watch. You're not going to have the winner shoot like even par, even though sometimes it does happen. But also, um, it's going to be difficult for them because. I think, and this is my opinion, but I think there's nothing more satisfying than watching a professional golfer throw their putter, get pissed at their driver, um, the same way that that I do and that that normal people do that aren't professional athletes. Um, so it, it's always refreshing to, to see these majors because you have courses that are that you can get birdies and you can score low, but also, I mean, you shoot even par in a day, and it's it's kind of considered a win. I mean, like we were talking earlier, Colin Morikawa shot. 7 over, 77 on Saturday, and that cost him the championship. Um, so sometimes even par in, in a round is good, and that was the case, I think, this weekend for sure. So um, obviously, you know, Will Zalatoris had a chance, had a putt at the end to, to force a playoff, and that's, I think, everything that you want in a major. You want somebody with 
with the putt to tie or a putt to win, and we got that. Um, and I was telling you, Trevor, for the camera angle on TV, it looked like he was in until the very last second. It looked like he was tracking towards the middle of the cup. At the very last second, it just stayed above the hole. It didn't drop. Um, and, and that was that was the uh, the tournament. So Will Zalatoris, a guy that he's been in the top five consistently in these major tournaments the last couple of years now, I, I think it's pretty easy to say that, that eventually he'll break through, and I think he'll win a major championship. This obviously was not his day, but the time will come. Um, so yeah, again, overall a great tournament. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it was it was in Boston. It was it was on on a course that that obviously has a lot of history with it. So um, overall, very enjoyable. Again, everything that you want to see in a major tournament. Again, Trevor, I'm sorry that that your boy Colin Morikawa couldn't come through, but don't worry, Trevor. He's a pretty good golfer. I think you'll be just fine if if you're gonna continue to follow him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it was one of the best major tournaments we've had in a little while. I mean, probably the best one yeah. this year, right? I mean, certainly. I, would I think so. so. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, and a lot of notable names. I mean, Scheffler's been good for uh, quite a couple of years now. He's been, you know, mm-hmm. he's been one of the either number one or top three yeah. in the world. Uh, Colin Morikawa's now, he's up there. Obviously, Roy's a huge name. Uh, Matsuyama, I think he won. I forget what tournament he did. He win the Masters a couple he years ago. Won the ago? Masters last he won year. Something. Yeah, last year. He won okay, the he won the Masters. So yeah, a lot of big names. And then Will Zalatoris, he's definitely an up and coming uh, guy who's been yeah right there uh, quite in quite a few big tournaments lately. Um, so it's gonna be fun to see him um, as he continues to get better. And and like you said, I think he'll he'll find a way to get a win here soon enough. But yeah, really good tournament. I'm I'm excited for uh, some of the upcoming majors we have. Because uh, what we'll probably have? Do we have one more major uh, this summer? We have one more. So we have we have the British Open, which is in it'll be in July. I don't know the exact. It's usually in the middle of July. I don't know the exact date. Okay. Um, but it used to be where the, the it used to be the PGA was the last one in August, and they basically bumped that up to May. They bumped it in front of the U.S. Open. Hmm. Um, so now the issue is you have four tournaments. You have the Masters in April. You have the PGA in May. You have the U.S. Open in June, and you have the British Open in July. So by July, I mean all all the Masters are done, which is which is tough. Then you got to you know you got to sit through August, September, October with right. technically the PGA season still going on. Um, but it is nice to it's kind of cool to have a major like every four weeks. It seems like it, it, as the summer continues, cause it, it does keep golf relevant um, during these warmer months when it becomes most popular around the United States. For sure, yeah. So that'll be interesting to see uh, upcoming tournaments. Um, now we're going to move to the NBA draft stuff. Uh, we have the draft coming up on Thursday. Uh, and, and you know, I think this is a really interesting draft. I always say that, like, uh, I wish I, you know, did more stuff, did more research. I mean, and I, I you know, I, I did watch a decent amount of videos. I've been listening to draft podcasts for months now, probably since the beginning of the college basketball season. But I still, I, I don't know. I wish I went more in depth with some of these later guys that I don't know quite as much about. Um, but here, we're, we're going to talk about it. We're going to kind of preview it and give some of our thoughts here. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the top three. There's kind of a top three, and some would even argue like a top four, like maybe Jay Nivey should be part of this like top tier um, in this draft. I think it's more of a top three, and then I guess Ivy would be the fourth guy. But the top three of Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, uh, Jabari Smith from Auburn, and Paolo Bancaro from Duke. And um you know it's pretty it's pretty tough to decide who's the top guy there's i've seen a lot of different opinions there's not a consensus which i really enjoy because in a lot of drafts uh whether it's the nba draft or even i think the nfl draft you know has this you know plenty of years it's like there's like a consensus number one guy that a lot of people agree on uh especially in the nba 
that happens a lot of years. I mean, like, Anthony Edwards was... Uh, well, I guess Anthony Edwards wasn't as much of a consensus, but, like, Zion was... It was a big consensus. Like, it has to be Zion. He has to be number one. Um, you know, I think Cade was pretty... I think a lot, most people said Cade last year. This year, it's really up in the air, and you have a lot of different yeah. opinions. Um, so I think it's super interesting. Uh, I, I'm i going to start with Jabari, because for me personally, that's who I would take number one, um, regardless of who... I mean, the team's Orlando that's drafting him, and I think it would be a good fit for him in Orlando. But I think Jabari is number one. Um, you know, Jabari, he's, he's 6'10", about 210 pounds, uh, the freshman from Auburn, uh, 19 years old. And to me, like Jabari, it's it's so crazy how he he's such a good jump shooter. Particularly, like I think he shot like forty two, forty three percent from three this season. So he's a really great shooter. And having the ability in the NBA to kind of step in, you're six ten, um, and you're able to just have like an a jump shot that's like you can't block it. Like it's kind of like. Like, Kevin Durant's jump shot is also, like, an unblockable jump shot. I think Jabari's is also kind of like that. Um, he also has a ton of elite versatility on defense. He's a really great defender, really good help defender. Um, some of the concerns, well, I guess one of the main concerns is, like, uh, you know, just, like, his ball handling and his ability to create off the dribble, right? So that's kind of one of the biggest things. It's like, okay, yes, he can spot up and shoot, but can he drive to the basket? Uh, can he create shots for others, drive and kick, stuff like that. Um, but I think he's the best player. I think he can probably figure out that aspect of it. Um, I think he has the potential to be like uh, maybe like a Jason Tatum on offense and Bam Adebayo on defense, which would be an insane combination. I think that could be his ceiling, which would be quite a player. Um, and also Jabari, just like watching him, listening to him in interviews, uh, everyone talks about him as like this very hard worker and you know all three of these top three guys are all very hard workers it seems like but Jabari just has stood out for me uh, since I really watched him a lot I think in January February I think he should be number one but it is close uh, you have Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga with Chet obviously you know people listening to this if you watch Chet you're gonna be like oh he's too small look at him look at how skinny he is if he goes up against some of these bigs, they're just going to push him around. They're going to, you know, punish him in the paint. Uh, he's not going to be able to handle the NBA. But the thing is that, uh, you know, Chet's instincts are so good as a shot blocker. The way he's able to just time shots with his, uh, you know, just basketball IQ, the instincts. He's a seven-footer. I don't even know what his standing reach is, but it's pretty insane. You know, so the it's standing insane, reach. Whatever it is. Whatever it is, it's insane. Um, so, yes, like... Can he guard, like, a Joel Embiid in the paint? Probably not, but I don't think anyone can guard Joel Embiid in the paint. Um, I think in a lot of situations, he's going to be an incredible help defender. And we saw a lot in college where, you know, a lot of these guards were afraid to go in the paint when uh, Chet Holmgren was in there. It was almost like uh, in the Heat and Celtics series, how the Heat were afraid at times to drive in the paint with Robert Williams. It was kind of a similar type of thing. So he clearly... A very impactful defender. I think the defensive end is really where Chet can be incredible. He, does he have to bulk up? Yes, he does. He should put on, you know, 15, 20 pounds. But, you know, we've seen people do it before. I mean, Giannis came in, and Giannis was pretty skinny. He was probably, I don't know, 195, 200 pounds. Look at Giannis now. Like, he's huge. He's like 240, 245 pounds. Uh, he's huge, very strong, um, and a great defender and just 
I mean, he's the best player in the NBA, right? So I think Chet's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Paolo. Paolo is kind of like the like the shot maker. He can make a shot from three, mid-range, drive to the basket. He can do a little bit of everything on offense. And he can create. He's a really good passer. I think the concern with Paolo is a little bit more the defense. Um, so, you know, these guys all have their strengths and weaknesses. I don't think any of them are like like no doubter. Like none of them are no-brainer like this guy is a superstar definitely this guy is a hall of famer i don't think any of them are on that level i don't think any of them are like a zion or an anthony davis or like a kevin durant like i don't think any of them are on that level but i think there is a level below that where all three of them could be very good nba players but uh ben i want want to get your thoughts What, what do you think about these three guys and do you have like a preference uh for which one you think should be number one yeah i mean like you said, this is I mean this this is clearly the the top shelf of this draft. I mean, these three are clearly above the rest, and there's some good players in that next category, but it's these three above the rest. Um and I think they're all great players, and obviously I love my boy Chet, but I don't I would not if I had the number one overall pick, I agree with you, Trevor. I would not pick Chet. Um I think I would agree with you. I think I'd take Jabari Smith just because I think if you're gonna look at in the NBA, and I could sound like a total idiot here, but I think the NBA more than really any sport, when you're drafting someone, I really do think you just take the best player that you can. Because think about it. In today's NBA, I mean, if we're all trying to strive for a positionless basketball here, you take the best player and you can make that work. Or you can try to build a team around that player. NFL, different story. You need a certain position, you're going to go for that. I think Jabari Smith is the best basketball player out of those three. And I think he best fits what is successful in the NBA today. Yes, everyone wants to be Steph Curry, but not everyone's Steph Curry. Okay, Steph Curry's an exception. People want 6'8 to 6'10 forwards that can play defense and that can shoot the ball, and I think Jabari Smith does that better than the uh, the other two, whether that's Paolo or, or Chet. I think he does that better than the other two um, that are, I guess, his competition. So I would take Jabari Smith. I agree with you, Trevor. I just think if you're going to look at which player can – effect and can positively impact my team right away i think i'd have to put money on jabari smith and again i love chet and i think Paolo's fantastic and he's a big dude and he's strong um and he's probably he's probably stronger and 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 can be a better presence down low obviously than than jabari smith but jabari smith i think is just an all-around better basketball player um and obviously you're like you want to find someone that can shoot and that can play defense and he can do both those things fantastically yeah yeah for sure i mean it's gonna be interesting because I think you know Orlando has the number one pick, Oklahoma City has the number two pick. I think either of them would be fine with like Oklahoma City. They're at number two, whether it's Chet or Jabari, because I think those are the best two. I think Palo's probably, I think he's probably third. I think Oklahoma City is gonna be fine with either of those guys. I think both Jabari and Chet would fit uh, very nicely with kind of this backcourt they have of Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy. I think it would be. A great addition to get either of these guys. I mean, Jabari, I guess, technically, he's not hes not as much of a, weight, a big. He, I mean, he's 6'10", but he's, he can play on the wing a little bit, maybe more uh, so than Chet. But I, I think either way, I think Oklahoma City's in a good situation. Uh, and then Houston, I mean, if they're able to get Paolo, I think you could argue that's a really good fit, too. I mean, they have Jalen Green. Um, that's kind of, so they'd be building then around, like, Jalen Green, Paolo. That's a pretty good start, uh, especially offensively. I mean, that's a really good uh offensive tandem there so that could be pretty good uh, a couple other guys i mean Jaden ivy like i said 
he's kind of that next guy. He's the best guard in this class, 6'4 from Purdue. Um, I mean, Jaden Ivey, like, he has the athleticism. He has, like, the explosiveness. We see it. Um, the shooting, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's something that he's not bad at necessarily. It's it's kind of like the John Morant thing, like, in terms of the shooting. Like, it's something that he can work on and get better at, but it's not exactly the best. Um, you know, and it's also, like, Jaden Ivey, is he going to be a point guard or a shooting guard? It's kind of, uh, it's I'm not really sure. I'm not sure if he can be the lead guard, a uh, guy that's creating for others on a consistent basis. So it's going to be interesting especially if Sacramento takes them because Sacramento they've taken like point guards or or guards in general for the last like four years. So uh, <laughs> they might take Jaden Ivey and that would be kind of funny. Although, I, you know, if you're not going to take Ivey, I don't know what else you do. I mean, I guess if you're Sacramento, you try to trade the pick, you know, maybe you try to trade up or maybe you try to trade down, but you know, you can't always do that. Obviously sometimes uh, the trade's not there. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, some other guys I really like in this draft uh, that are kind of in that next tier. I mean, you got Ben Matherin. I love him. And there's a few Arizona players that I really like. I also like Dalen Terry, who I think could be a potential steal. I think Dalen Terry's starting to rise up in some draft boards. Um, I know, like, at the Athletic, like, Sam Bassini, who's, like, like the he's, like, the absolute best at the draft coverage, Sam Bassini from the, the Athletic. Uh, I think he's put Dale and Terry pretty high on his, uh, like, big board, um, maybe. Well, we had him 28th a month ago, but I think he updated it, and maybe he's a little bit higher now. But I think Dale and Terry is someone who could be a late first round, maybe even early second round pick, and that could be an absolute steal. Uh, so I would look out for that. And then the last guy that's kind of like the mystery guy, I, I don't know if you've seen uh, any clips of Shaden Sharp, but Shaden Sharp, who technically played for Kentucky like but he didn't actually play in a game he was at Kentucky as like a late enrollee why did he play so he I I mean he pretty much decided not to like he it was like a thing where he came in because he's younger uh he reclassified because I think so I think he just turned 19 and um he so he should have been in the class of 2023 technically like but he basically yeah. was able to come in late at Kentucky. And then by the time he got there, I think he got there in January or December. I'm not too sure. Um, and he could have had the opportunity to play, but I think he was, you know, worried about his draft stock. I don't know. Maybe advice. So he just didn't play? No, so he didn't play at Kentucky, I think, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard to always know, like, how are these guys getting advice from, like, people? Like, some people in their yeah. life that are telling them, like, oh, no, it's best for your draft stock not to play i don't know it's it's really weird but shade and sharp is a guy where it's you know it's hard because it's an unknown commodity like you can go and you can look at his high school tape you can see the aau clips the highlights you can see the high school stuff he's super athletic like he's a wing he's about six four six five 200 pounds and he's like on you look at the highlights you look at the clips and it's like yeah he looks awesome he looks like an awesome athlete awesome player but there's still that part of me that's like I ha- but I haven't. I didn't see him. Like I, I got to see Jay Nivey play. I saw Jay Nivey play probably seven, eight times. I got to see Ben Matherin play a ton. I got to see him play, you know, ten times. I don't know. I didn't get to see this guy play in a game. So it's like a really weird thing. And I'm interested to see how teams kind of evaluate that because with the upside, he's certainly going to be a lottery pick. It's just a matter of where in the lottery. 
Oh, Trevor, I can tell you where. This has got Sacramento Kings written all over it. All right? <laughs> the Sacramento Kings are totally going to draft this dude. It's, they're going to have, like, whatever you said, like, pick four, and it's going to be like, oh, well, we mm-hmm. could draft Jaden Ivey, who's probably going to be, like, an all-star. But in 10 years, we're going to be like, yeah, they drafted that kid from Kentucky that didn't actually play, and they based it off his high school film. Like, it just makes sense. Trevor, it's, we all know it's going to be the Sacramento Kings. It might okay? be. If I'm Jaden Ivey, I'm praying that happens because Jaden Ivey doesn't want to go to the Sacramento Kings. I guess I shouldn't well, say that. I'm sure he'd be probably, happy to go anywhere. I, I would, I would, I'd play for anyone. He probably but, doesn't want to go to the Kings, though. I mean, I would. I, I think the the politically correct thing would when you get asked on camera, you say I'd play for anyone. But I yeah. promise you, Jaden Ivey doesn't want to play for the Sacramento Kings because I wouldn't want to play for the Sacramento Kings. I tell them, sure, pay me, but I want to play for them. But this is this this whole thing that I've never heard of this dude. And there's a reason why because he hasn't he hasn't played since high school. But this has just got Sacramento Kings written all over it. You're gonna look back in ten years and be like, of course they picked this guy that no one's ever heard of that didn't play in college and didn't do anything after high school. Um, because that's just what they do. So I mean, it, we, I, we we can uh, we can put it in, in permanent marker right now, Trevor. I, I promise you that they're gonna take this kid from Kentucky just because why not? <laughs> it just ma- it would just make perfect sense. Yeah, they totally might. Uh, <laughs> that would be funny. Um, I'm actually I'm not rooting for that. I really do hope they take him. I'm 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 I am yeah. personally I have interest in this draft. I I am gonna become a Sacramento Kings fan solely for I hope they take this guy. If they take yeah. him, I'll be a Kings fan because I want to watch it. You'll be a apart. Kings fan. <laughs> I mean, why not? If, if, if they're going to take this kid, then clearly they know something I don't know, and I'm going to watch them and, and see and just watch yeah. it completely fall apart like it has with every other draft pick they've ever had. Right. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, I mean, there's certainly a, a ton of other guys that we could talk about, you know, but we, I mean, we'll talk about it next podcast as well. But are there any other guys, that, as you're, like, looking through here, uh, that you wanted to mention, Ben, like any of these other guys uh, in the draft? Yeah, Trevor. I mean, I, again, I'm I'm not the expert here. You are. But I feel like isn't Johnny Davis is pretty good, right? Like, I mean, he's got oh, this yeah. list that you sent me. He's at he's at number 12. It, it, what am I missing? What What is the reason why he's not a top 10 pick according to seems like multiple different lists here? Because from what I can remember, I mean, we talked about him on this podcast. He is one. He's not small. He's six foot, six foot. What four? Six yeah, five? Yeah, he's six, about four, six four. That can shoot. I don't know much about his defense, but he seems like somebody that could be very valuable on an NBA team. I'm just curious, Trevor. At least, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but why do you think he's not considered a top seven or eight guy on on these some of these lists? I mean, for me, like I think part of it is like like he he's not as athletic as some of these guys like you watch him you watch him move compared to some of these other guards that he's going to be compared to like a Ben Matherin or a Shaden Sharp mm-hmm. or Jay Nivey um you know he's not as athletic I don't think he necessarily has that one like a lot of these guys have like one skill that they're like really good at and it's just like this guy is known for this like uh obviously uh you know like Jay Nivey he's known for his athleticism his ability to get to the basket like that is kind of the skill. Dyson Daniels, who, you know, he's pretty high on a lot of draft boards. and He's been a big riser from the G League Ignite. Like, he's a really great playmaker. He's a really good passer. That's his, like, big skill. I don't know if Johnny Davis has one specific skill that really stands out. Like, yes, he gets buckets. He averaged 20 points a game at Wisconsin. He was really good. But then you look at, like, okay, so, you know, he's not as athletic. Well, is he a good shooter? Well, look at his percentages. He was a 33% three-point shooter. Uh, it's not it's not necessarily that great. Yeah. Uh, and then you look at his defense. So Clay, he's like he's not a bad defender. He's he's fine. Like he's I think he's actually a pretty good on ball defender. But it's not something that's like 
incredible. Like, Davion Mitchell last year in the draft was known for his defense. He was, like, supposed to be a really good defender, and there's, you know, some other guys you can point to in this draft. I mean, obviously, they're not guard. I mean, can't compare, because Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith aren't guards. They're 6'10", 7-foot, you know, forwards and centers, but they're obviously both incredible defenders. Um, and Johnny Davis is not that. So I think it's kind of like maybe a lack of athleticism, a little bit of the fact that he doesn't have that 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 skill that says like this guy is going to be superstar. I think that Johnny Davis uh, is a little bit more of a I don't know if he's necessarily a role player. Maybe he could be like a really good second like second third option on a team potentially. I mean, looking at like a guy like uh, I don't know Jalen Brunson, like what he's done with the Mavs. Uh, could he do something yeah. like that? Like, I don't know. It's possible. Um, but I think that's kind of why he slept. Because earlier in the year, he was higher. Like, on a lot of, like, boards I was seeing, a lot of people had him, like, fifth or sixth, I was seeing. And he was in the conversation with, like, is it him or Jay Nivey for that fourth pick? But he's definitely mm-hmm. fallen since. And I think his play uh, also had something to do with it. I think his play kind of fell off there at the end of the season. Like, he was really in contention to be, like, the player of the year back in, like, December, January. And then it seemed like his the quality of his play uh, kind of slipped in the tournament. He wasn't all that great either um, in a couple of those uh, early games when Wisconsin had a little bit of an earlier exit. So I think that's kind of why. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of other guys. Um, I guess one last guy I'll mention that I really am a huge fan of uh, is Mark. Oh, we know who it is. It, who? Who, who, is am I, who am I going to say? Well, now nah, you started the name. I, I I'm wrong, so never mind. I I there's one person I can't believe you haven't mentioned yet, but that's okay. I'll let you continue, and then so, I'll ask you about this guy. Okay, so I was gonna. Well, there's two, but the main guy I was gonna say was Mark Williams from Duke. Um, I'm a huge fan of Mark Williams from Duke. He's a seven foot center, two forty two. Um, I mean he's he's an incredible shot blocker, and and watching Robert Williams this playoffs, just the absolute menace that he was on defense. I mean. Watching him as a Miami Heat fan in that conference final series, I was like so afraid. I was like, anytime Robert Williams is out of the game, I am so relieved. Like it's, I don't know. I just, I was like, Robert Williams is incredible, and I think Mark Williams is very much like him. Like I think a lot of the skill set that Mark Williams had at Duke, what he showed as a shot blocker, a big man, um, I think it's, a, I think it's kind of Robert Williams esque there. So I, I really like him. All right, I, I'm I'm just I I can't believe we've gone however many minutes we have, Trevor, talking about the NBA draft, and and you have not mentioned Malachi Branham because I feel like you yeah. like that dude, right? I feel like you've texted you've texted. Sure. Am I wrong? Is that the guy? I feel like you text Brandon and I about him like all the time. I like him a ton. Yeah, uh, guard from Ohio State. Obviously, we we got to go and see and uh, watch him play in high school because he played at uh, Akron St. Vincent St. Mary, same high school as LeBron James. Yeah. Um, you know, so we got to see Malachi uh in in columbus down when he was playing against uh brawny's team sierra canyon very good game um and he stood out to me in high school watching him and then he came to ohio state as a freshman and uh, just like he he had this stretch really i think starting in early january where he you know he had a couple 25 point games a couple 30 point games um and his biggest skill was his shooting right really good mid-range shooter uh to to some extent i think his three-point shooting is pretty good um but i i don't know i think it's i think his defense is definitely a weakness for malachi i do really like him i think he'll definitely play a big role or like he'll play a a good role he's definitely a role player you know malachi's not going to be a superstar 
Uh, well, maybe he will be. I shouldn't, I guess, count him out. But I think he's more of like a really good role player who could be a good shooter. Uh, definitely needs to improve his defense, though, for sure. All right, I, I I thought I thought you were higher than him on that, or higher on him than that. I apologize, Trevor. I just assumed that that's who you're going to talk about. I was like, how are we not talk about this guy? I, mean, I know for a fact you've texted you've texted about him many times. I mean, I I really like him, and I'm certainly going to really root for him. As far as like what do I think his career is like, I mean, in like different mocks and and stuff like that, he's right around like late lottery in the teens, so like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. That's probably pretty accurate, you know. So I don't necessarily think I'm higher than okay. consensus. I think that's pretty darn good for Malachi Branham to be a freshman uh, from Ohio State, and he's like in the teens, like 14, 15, 16. Like I think that's about right, and I think you know, uh, yeah, I, I I can't wait to see. I'm I'm definitely rooting for him. That's for sure. No, me too, man. And there's not many times that I get a chance to say I saw a, a, a NBA lottery pick in high school play in person. So um, I'll absolutely be rooting for him, but. I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there, Trevor. Is there anybody that we miss? Anybody else you want to cover? I think you did a good job. Obviously, you know way more about these players than I do. Is there anybody else you want to cover? Or do you cover everyone? You, oh, you uh, hit your uh, your checklist there. Uh, I guess one more. Uh, Jeremy So Sohan from Baylor, really good wing, known for his on ball defense. Uh, just a very smart player on defense. Obviously, he's not a good shooter. He's not really a good offensive player. He might be a little bit of a weakness out there if he's out there for you in crunch time far as his offense goes but defensively he's very good and for any chicago bulls fans that may be listening to this podcast if he somehow and i don't i think it's unlikely if he somehow slides to pick 18 chicago bulls should absolutely 100 percent draft him he probably won't fall to 18 but if he does the bulls absolutely should draft him oh i mean obviously i, th- I think if you can take well, I mean, this this list has got him at 13th. You can take him with the 18th pick. I think that's an easy move, unless you, I guess you are the uh, Sacramento Kings, which probably wouldn't understand that move. But that is what it is. Um, obviously, I don't know a whole lot about the NBA, but it seems like I know enough to run the Sacramento Kings. So Sacramento Kings, if you're listening to this, I'll be your GM any day. Um, I will. I'd be picking Jaden Ivey with the fourth pick, not the kid from Kentucky. But you do you. Um, anyway, I think we'll wrap it up there, Trevor. Obviously. You did a fantastic job breaking down this NBA draft. This NBA draft, when is it, Trevor? This Thursday? The Thursday, Thursday night? Yes. Thursday is. at 8 p.m., I believe, or something like that. Probably. So, so everyone that's yeah. listening, you can you can watch that as well as, as um, game four of the Stanley Cup Finals, since we are a big hockey podcast, obviously. But I think we will wrap it up there. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say. Brandon's all, Brandon makes this whole like closing thing really easy. It's actually not that easy at all. But... I think we'll wrap it up there. Obviously, thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. I say it every time. You giving us your most valuable resource that you have to offer, which is your time. We appreciate um, the, the, the likes, the follows, the comments. Any way that you guys can inter- interact with us, we love seeing that. We love hearing what you guys think. Obviously, we're the ones in front of the microphone, and we're the ones that talk, but we love to hear how wrong we are or maybe how right some of us are, are about certain takes. Obviously, probably me. Um, but... With that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Go Falcons!